You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Welcome, everybody, to South Bay Church. Uh, Welcome to our live stream. And uh, we're going to be continuing a a series uh, that Steve started last week. Uh, But before we do that, I want to make you aware of a couple things. Um, Stephanie Williams, as we know, uh, she has graduated, uh, the ultimate graduation to paradise with God. And um, so we are going to celebrate her life. Uh, we miss her, and uh, but uh, we really want to celebrate what an awesome woman of God she is. So that's going to be on this same channel, the same stream, uh, this Saturday at 10 a.m. So the same way you got on this stream for this worship service, you'll be able to, to join in that celebration. That'll be at 10 a.m., uh, it'll be live. There's going to be some aspects right here in this space that are live and then as well as some video content. So that will be this Saturday. Next Sunday, uh, we'll be right back here um, for a service at 1030. And the teens are going to be leading our service uh, next week. Um, so this is a, uh, uh, an actually an uh, invitation that Lauren Hachia put together for the service. So you'll see that posted on South Bay Church. You can share that with your friends. So they're going to be doing all the aspects of the service. Uh, the theme is walk humbly with your God, as we just sang about. Um, and so that uh, come back next Sunday. I like how she said Gen Z style. Uh, so we're going to worship God Gen Z style next Sunday. Um, so uh, before we get into the, uh, the lesson here, um, I thought uh, it would be appropriate on, uh, on Father's Day to share a few dad jokes. So... Uh, so these are some some uh, some dad jokes. I can't take credit for these. I didn't make these up, but as a dad, I appreciate them. Um, so the first one it says this man's wa- mad. This man's wife was mad at the fact that he had no sense of direction, so he packed up his stuff and write. So, uh, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, we need Jerry. Uh, I'm out of water. Can grab a water out of there it's nice to have water on hand Um, okay next one what time what is the time to go to the dentist tooth hurty (laughs) thank you it's a good dad joke come on dads out there what's an astronaut's favorite part of the computer the space bar (laughs) Why did the scarecrow win an award? Because he was outstanding in his field. Come on, guys. These are good. Um, Why can't you hear a psychiatrist using the bathroom, Brian? Alex knows. Because the P is silent. (laughs) Okay, last one. Last one, I'll, I'll put you through here. Uh, if you see a crime at an Apple store, does that make you an eyewitness? <laughs> That's not very good. I admit that one's not good. The other ones are good, though. So uh, our, our new series, uh, What Does God Require? Uh, what Does God Require of You? From Matt, uh, Micah 6, 8. Steve read this last week. Um, you might have heard the same phrase repeated a lot. Every ad seems like it has the phrase, in these uncertain times, right? Um, Chris Simmons posted something on Facebook kind of early in the uh, quarantine era that we've all been living through saying, uh, you know, I, I'm tired of hearing that phrase. And now ever since I, she made me aware of it, 
uh, you know, I just noticed it on everything. In these uncertain times, in these uncertain times, she was kind of saying, is there another way to say that? So now, now you're going to notice every time. But these are uncertain times. The world is afraid. Uh, the world is in confusion. There are, you know, the, the economies uh, has issues. There are, are, are political issues in our country. There are issues of, of, of uh, division. Um, there's a lot of hurting as uh, um, uh, there's been a lot of reflection on some of the, the racism that is, is present in culture and that many of our brothers and sisters have experienced. And there's just a lot that people are processing. These are uncertain times. But the church, we got to believe the church was made for times like these. The church th- uh, thrives in uncertain times. And we as the body of Christ, we can be secure in that, that he has a plan, that he is doing something and he wants to use you and he wants to use me. But what does God require? What's the bottom line? You know, we want to know what is the bottom line. Uh, you know, you ever you ever uh, trying to, to find what a price is for something and you can't find the price or you want to know from the mechanic, what is this going to actually cost me? And you're kind of like in that phase of, okay, what's the bottom line here? Um, we are trying to find a campsite right now for our, our, our a little family to have a, a, a vacation this summer. And we're having the hardest time trying to find something because it looks like it's available, but then you get in there and it's not available and you can't see uh, which spaces are available. You can't see what they cost. It's just, you know, you're trying to navigate these different, any, any of you that's tried to find a campsite, you know what I'm talking about. And you just want to go, what's the bottom line? How do I get the campsite? And I like uh, Micah 6 because it's kind of one of those bottom line scriptures. In, in Micah, Micah is talking about the different issues of, of his culture and the different problems of that we're facing, uh, that where God's people were allowing injustice in their midst and they were allowing uh, sin and idolatry. And uh, the, the main two things that, that the prophets all spoke about was idolatry and injustice. And so those two things are happening. He says, here's what God requires. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. So we're, we're breaking these out and talking about these. Last week, Steve talked about how do we do justice? What does it mean to do justice? And I'm going to kind of reiterate some of the things he shared and review some of the things he shared again. And then today we're talking about love, mercy. And next week, um, the, the teens are going to talk about walk humbly. And then our last uh, week, uh, the, the series is me and my neighbor. So that kind of all three of these looking at what does it mean to be a good neighbor, as Jesus talked about in the story of the Good Samaritan. So uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about love mercy. And, I, and I, I, as we're kind of reviewing what Steve mentioned last week, uh, and talking about justice, I, I'm going to wade into a little bit of things today that uh, could, if something hit, let me just say, if something hits you as political, I'm not trying to be political. I really try to not be political. And we have people in our church on both sides of the political spectrum. And there is truth in all movement. There's truth to be found in all movements of men, but they are movements of men, so they're imperfect. And uh, I'm really trying to, you know, my allegiance is to the kingdom of God and to his church and to his word. And that's what really brings us together. Uh, But there are truth, there's truth all over that can be, you know, so I affirm truth wherever it's found if it is God truth, if that makes sense. so anyway, I, I, I uh, and I want to encourage you to, to, to be primarily allegiant. Your primary allegiance is to God and his kingdom. You have to swear off allegiance to any other political movement or any other group uh, in order to really deal with some of these issues in a spiritual way, I believe. But uh, we as the church, 
are to do justice. We as a church are to love mercy, and we are the church as a church are to walk humbly. So uh, let's pray before we open the scriptures here, and then uh, we'll jump into it. God, thank you to be able to, to worship you together today. Thank you for providing this space. I never thought when we... Uh, Never had an idea when we moved into this house years ago that this garage could be used in this way. But it's so awesome to be able to worship together uh, with uh, our, our small gathering here as well as with all of the South Bay Church online right now. And to, to, to do it live is just cool to be able to sing songs live, to be able to make mistakes playing my keyboard live and have everybody hear it. And all of that, God, is just a blessing. Uh, thank you for uh, Father's Day and to be able to remember um, what a good, good father you are to us. Um, thank you to be able to reflect on that and to reflect on the love that you have for us. God, thank you so much for your kingdom. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for how it centers us and helps us uh, to be who we need to be. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, before I, I, I move on, just another thought about that political uh, aspect of things. Jesus had on his inner circle, he had a zealot, and a tax collector. And I won't dig into that. That could be a whole uh, a whole sermon. But if you want to just Wikipedia, uh, what or what is a zealot in the first century? Just on Wikipedia, just look up zealot. And if you want to look up a, a tax collector, you'd have to look up publican. That's the, 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 the Greek word of, of what a tax collector was. It's called a publican. They are absolutely polar opposites, as polar opposite as you can be politically, a zealot and a, and a publican. And yet they were both part of Jesus's inner circle of 12 uh, and had unity in his movement, in his kingdom movement. So there's different things that we think society needs. There's different things we think the government needs or, or our culture needs. But God, God brings us together in, in these, these principles that we're talking about. So to review from last week, do justice. Uh, the, the, the Greek word, is, as Steve said, is uh, mish, mishpat. Uh, this is actually the word we're going to be talking about for mercy. Uh, mishpat. And, uh, and Steve talked about... Um, uh, uh, the, the, he showed that video on, on restorative justice, and we saw that kind of image of people, you know, that were on different levels of that. Uh, there was kind of like these different platforms they were on, and they would be pulled up to another level and, and brought into uh, unity with one another, brought in, into an even ground. The, the idea is um, is to 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 people who are. Oppressed people. There, you know. Uh, Steve talked about the quartet, the quartet of the vulnerable, and so throughout Scripture, if you just look through the prophets, look through the law, look through the Psalms, there's, there's the uh, again and again, God is talking about the orphan, the widow, the poor, and the immigrant. Uh, the, that quartet of the vulnerable that need special attention. They need uh, special. Um, we have to have special concern for these uh, oppressed groups, and 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 the law and the prophets give special attention to those people, people who are vulnerable, and then there's people in positions of power that can take advantage of those people, and that's just kind of a natural thing that happens in societies is these people who are vulnerable get taken advantage of by people who are, are in power, and so that's what the the prophets are continually. Uh, preaching against um, and 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 the the word justice when we think about that word we typically think about uh, kind of the concept right a philosophical concept of justice as a noun but almost always in the Old Testament it's in verb form it's the idea of do justice so that's why it's translated here do justice or act justly as we sang it's something that you do it's something that you it's a way that you live and Steve kind of talked about that like how do we live our lives and and he looked at the example of Job. 
how Job used his position, a privilege, to be able to advocate for others. He he used his his he had a stable position economically. He was blessed financially, and he used those blessings to to help pull other people up that needed help on, on an individual level. And so, uh, he's a good example. Job is a good example of someone who advocated for others. And we we talked about that in our Bible talks this week. Some of the the, the people that that Job really reached out to it's it's, uh, challenging to me to think about how many people he thought about and uh how many people he 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 reached out to 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 try to help and personally as we're talking you know we've been talking lately about uh, racism and and talking about some of the experiences that uh black people black our black brothers and sisters have had in our fellowship you know i am a white person if you didn't realize uh, or if you're listening to the podcast or something uh i am uh white but my black and brother what i want my black brothers and sisters to feel and and all all my brothers and sisters of any uh skin color is to feel that i'm an advocate for them that i uh whatever god has blessed me with i want to use to serve others and i want to be an advocate and i want to be you know this has been a time of a lot of listening for me a a time of more learning um, you know, I didn't grow up in a really diverse place. I grew up in a suburb that was mostly white, and uh, I think there was one black guy in my school, maybe if, maybe more. But I, I remember the one because the one black guy because he was the president of our, uh, uh, you know, the the class president uh, uh, of my class. But I just didn't know what what these experiences were. I didn't really know. I knew the the kind of broad black hi- history, but I didn't know the the nitty gritty black history and. Uh, uh, I really learned a lot of that in college. I had a couple black roommates and some black best friends and, uh, you know, went through an education and um, I had to listen. I had to learn. I remember um, one conversation where I had said something. I had no idea. I was completely uh, oblivious, but a, a brother pulled me aside and had a conversation with me about something I'd said that was racially insensitive and I had no idea it was racially insensitive. And I appreciated that. I appreciated that he showed mercy to me and you know didn't call me out in front of everybody just kind of quietly to the side said hey when you said this this is how black people take it i was like oh my gosh that's not at all what i meant and so that kind of leads to this the thing we're going to talk about today which is mercy you know i needed mercy from him and uh we all need mercy i love mercy especially when i receive mercy i love receiving mercy who doesn't love receiving mercy but do i love giving mercy you know that's what we're going to talk about today i love receiving it but i also want to love giving mercy. And the Greek word for mercy here as we talk about loving mercy is uh, chasid. Uh, with Hebrew you have to do that uh, kind of like you're clearing your throat. So it's like acid with a so it's chasid if you want to know the Greek word for mercy chasid. Um, but it's this word is in the Old Testament a lot. It is 253 times in 241 verses in the Hebrew. So a lot of times. So I obviously can't review all 253 occurrences of this word in the Old Testament. But I did read them all. I looked through them all in pre- preparation for this lesson. And, uh, you know, most of them are really talking about God. And it's talking about God's kindness. His mercy. You know, sometimes it's translated uh everlasting love, loving kindness, kindness, mercy. Um, you know, it's part of his identity. There's many places in scriptures where this, this kind of, when it talks about God's name, Yahweh, it says Yahweh is his name, but then also part of his identity is he's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. And that, that 
word translated love is chassid. He's abounding in mercy, loving kindness. Um, and, and, and so it's, it's how God treats us. God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. God gives us mercy. God is just, but that's balanced by God's mercy. And, and as Steve mentioned last week, if God gave us justice, really, we, we would all be deserving of, uh, of hell, or we would all be deserving of being separated from him. We don't deserve God's grace, right? But God instead gives us mercy when we're humble and when we uh, submit to him, he, he rewards that humility or that, you know, surrender by giving us mercy. And that's throughout the scriptures, throughout the Old Testament. Um, that that psalm, song that we sing, his love endures forever. If you remember that song, that's based on Psalm 136. And a lot of what Psalm 136 is repeating that phrase over and over and over again. His love endures forever. That's the word chassid, his mercy endures forever. There's no end to God's mercy. Amen, right? And uh, as, as we all know, today is Father's Day. I have a great, great father, a good, good father uh, named Larry Craig. Here's a classic picture of him and my mom from a few, I think it was about 10 years ago. But he looks just the same. Um, I am looking more and more like my dad, and then he's looking more and more like my grandfather. Um, so it's weird how that happens. But uh, anyway, uh, I am so grateful for my dad, and he is a very merciful and loving dad. He really helped me to understand God better by the character that he has, has and the way I grew up. And uh, just, I was thinking of one story of his mercy. Um, you know, we, we got a car uh, for me to drive when I was 16 years old. Uh, my dad had a connection with a used car lot and got a really good deal, basically the dealer price on a car. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was a Chevy Chevette, if you remember those. Um, I can't remember what year it was, but it was, it was my first car and I loved it. Uh, but I got in an accident. I was I drove down to a, a city that we we had moved away from to visit a friend, and I was trying to find his house. And back in those days, we didn't have GPS. We didn't have even cell phones. Um, we had to use a piece of paper with directions. And unfortunately, I looked down at the piece of paper to see if this was my turn. And someone had instead of stopping in the left turn lane, they had stopped in the regular lane. Uh, and so I plowed right into the back of them and I totaled the car and uh so that was a bummer and um then uh probably a year late we got another uh inexpensive car this was a Honda Civic a super old Honda Civic the one that had the little like gills that looked like a shark if you remember those um and uh I loved that car and then I was coming out of the uh parking lot of my high school and um you know that experience where you haven't washed your windshield in long, you know, it's been too long since you washed your windshield and you turn into the sun and suddenly you're completely blinded. So I didn't, I didn't do a good job of keeping my car clean. We turn into the sun and I'm completely blinded and I hit another car just like this that was coming into the parking lot. I was going out of the parking lot and totaled that car, you know. And um, so I just remember having this conversation with my dad where I was just crying and crying and I was like, I'm only, you know, 18 years old and I've already totaled two cars at this rate. By the time I'm 22, I will have totaled, you know, four cars. And then by the time, you know, I'm like, I'm just like, you're just saturated in what a loser I am and how I've totaled two cars. And, and he extended such mercy. He was like, it's just a car. You know, he goes, you're okay. That's what matters is that you're okay. It's just, a car can be replaced. And, uh, you know, he, 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 uh, 
he didn't say you should have cleaned your windshield. You know, he didn't say you should not look down at a piece of paper. Even those those things are true, right? It was just pure mercy from from my dad, and uh, that's who God is for us, right? That's who God is. He, when we surrender ourselves, when we're like I was, like, oh, I'm so I'm no no good. I'm a loser. I wrecked two cars. He provides us. He just gives us mercy. And uh, God is amazing in his love for us. And God's mercy. So the one, the one thing I want you to take away today is that God's mercy lets us give mercy. If you're not someone who loves giving mercy, we all love getting mercy. <laughs> Nobody doesn't love that. But if you're not good at giving mercy, it's God's mercy that allows you to get, give mercy. It's God, getting God's mercy allows you to give God's mercy. And if you think about... Uh, if you think about oppression in the world or, or the lack of justice in the world and people taking advantage of other people, which obviously all of us are against that, um, why does that occur? It's because people are trying to claim something for themselves that they don't have, right? Why, is some, why does one person oppress someone else? Because they, aren't, they haven't found what they're looking for themselves, right? And, and, and yet when God fills us up, we're free. We're free to give ourselves away. But you can't give yourself away if God hasn't filled you up. Or it's, it's very difficult. Because there's always going to be some aspect of selfishness that's in your heart. And so there's this balance between, there's this balance between justice and mercy. So, so, uh, so when it comes to justice, it's like, that's how I view others. I want to get, give, I want justice for others. I want others to be taken care of. I want others to be, uh, I want those who are vulnerable uh, to not be taken advantage of. Uh, if, if there's a power disadvantage, I want to point that out and speak up against injustice. But when it comes to mercy, uh, you know, I, I obviously want to give mercy to others, uh, but mercy is, is more of like, if, if I've been wronged, then I, that's when I can extend mercy rather than demanding justice for myself. You know, if I'm the one, especially if I'm the one who's holding power, and someone wrongs me, that's where I need to give mercy. And Jesus is a, a great example of this balance between uh, justice and mercy. I was just thinking about this and meditating on this. So think about Jesus. Did Jesus ever get angry? Yes. Jesus did get angry. Yes. What made Jesus angry? If you think about what made Jesus angry, what made him angry? Well, I think I think about the example. I don't know. It doesn't specifically say he was angry, but it says he was. They quoted a, a scripture from uh, from Psalms when they were talking about what he was doing when he was cleansing the temple, as you see in this picture. And he made a whip and he drove all the money changers out. And it was zeal for your house consumes me. And that that uh, that word zeal from the Old Testament is it, it connotes anger. It connotes emotion. It connotes like ah, I got to do something about this, right? What was making him so emotional? What made him do this? What made him take this action? It was because, and, and he quotes it, he quotes it, uh, Jeremiah seven eleven. Jesus says, you have made this, this is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. You made it a den of robbers. What does that mean? It means those in power were taking advantage of those who were trying to be there to worship God. And, and what they were doing was charging uh, a lot of money for transactions. Uh, they, instead of bringing a, uh, they were bringing a gift to God, but then these people were making money off of people's worship. And, 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 and uh, take, you know, I, I don't have time to go into all that went in, on in the temple, but that's what made Jesus angry was 
uh, people being taken advantage of and, and not giving God the honor that he deserved. It was injustice against the vulnerable. You think about another time in Mark 3, it says he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts said, and, and the context here is there's a man who has a shriveled hand who is there uh, to worship God or, or to, 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 to at the synagogue. And every, all these these people in position of, of power uh, in the in the in that, their system are trying to look for a way to catch Jesus and and they want to catch him healing on the sabbath and so so they're using this man this man who's disadvantaged this man who has a shriveled hand they are using him as a pawn in their political scheme to try to catch Jesus in something that then they can spread uh uh you know that he, he did something wrong and so 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 that made Jesus angry because they're stubborn hearts they don't care about this person uh, they are they are just trying to catch jesus i don't think jesus was angry about uh that they were trying to catch him i think he was angry because of the way they were using this person that they, they didn't care about this person and because uh, when you think about uh when jesus was wronged when jesus was falsely accused when jesus was spit on when he was beaten did he get angry then no it says he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. So that's so challenging looking at Jesus uh, and his example. Um, you know, because I, when I think about myself, what makes me angry? Injustice does make me angry. Like when I watch the, the, the video uh, of George Floyd, uh, I didn't even watch the whole thing, just a, a clip of it. It made me angry. You know, I wanted to do something about it. Um, and, and many of these other videos that have surfaced, you know, we can get emotional, but, but what, what normally kind of in a normal day makes me angry is, is somebody, uh, uh, somebody taking advantage of me, somebody cutting in front of me on the road, (laughs) you know, stupid things like that. Somebody cutting in line in front of me, somebody falsely accusing me or somebody misconstruing my motives or somebody saying I didn't do something right or, 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 or didn't do enough or, you know, that's the thing that pricks my pride and, and makes me, you know, grip my teeth or get frustrated is, is selfish motives, right? It's selfishness that makes me uh, angry. And yet Jesus was so, such an amazing example in his love and his showing mercy to others that even things, even, even people purposely trying to hurt him, it didn't stir him to anger. Instead, he loved and uh, so he, he's a perfect example of how justice and mercy kind of works in our lives. And, and boy, I want to be more like Jesus. When I'm wronged, when I'm taken advantage of, I want to have Jesus's attitude of Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they don't understand. They don't fully get it. Um, and and, and kind of how, do, how does he do it? It's because he entrusted himself to him who judges justly, First Peter says. That's how Jesus was able to do it because he had that connection to the Father. Getting mercy from God allows us to give mercy to others. Now, how about you? Do you love giving mercy? Because giving mercy means that you do, you could demand justice, right? Giving mercy means that you've probably been wronged by someone, or you have a reason to 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 get back at someone. But 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 making that choice to give mercy. That's a challenge. Now, Jesus wasn't a doormat. I just want to say that kind of as a caveat. I'm not saying that we just need to let everybody walk all over us. Jesus didn't do that. You know, he says in John uh, 10, 18, no one takes it away from me, meaning his own life. No one can take my life. I give my own life freely. I have the right to give my life. Jesus had a good, healthy autonomy 
where he wasn't taken advantage of, but he freely gave himself away. And so we all need to be people who we're secure in God. We're secure in ourselves. We're not just, we don't just let people walk all over us, but we make that choice to extend mercy. So I'm not saying you let others run roughshod over you, but what I am saying is you don't demand your rights from others. You use your freedom and your autonomy to serve, to love, to show mercy to others as an act of worship to God, not because they deserve it. You know, your spouse or your family member or your roommate or your coworker or your friend or someone else on social media might not deserve mercy from you. But you go, because of God, I'm going to show mercy. God fills me up and then I can give myself away. Amen. And so we see this in the church. That's the way the church is supposed to work. And so you get you get this tension like in, in Galatians six. There's these two verses that contradict each other. But I'll explain why. Okay, so in Galatians 6, 2, it says, carry one another's burdens. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So there Paul tells the Galatians, you need to carry each other's burdens. And so how could you respond to that verse? You could say, man, my, somebody's supposed to be carrying my burden. I'm carrying this burden here. I'm carrying this heavy, this heavy uh, backpack. This is Peyton's backpack. Thanks for letting me borrow it. Who's going to carry my burden? My, my Spider-Man burden, right? But then in Galatians 6, 5, it says, for each person will have to carry his own load or her own load. Wait, that verse says I'm supposed to carry my own load. But the other verse said carry each other's loads. Which is it, Paul? What do you think Paul meant? It, it's an others and self. There's a double standard. When it comes to others, I want justice. When it comes to myself, I love mercy. When it comes to others, I want to demand justice. I'm not going to demand justice for myself. When it comes to myself, I'm going to act, I'm going to love mercy. So when it comes to others, I go, okay, let me carry your burden. Oh, I see you have a burden. Let me carry it. When it comes to myself, I go, okay, I'm just going to, I got to carry my own load. What does that do? It creates a church in which everybody's trying to outgive each other. Everybody's trying to, to give themselves away and it, the body of Christ is built up. If you didn't have the, if you didn't have the first verse, let's say all you have is each person carries his own load. Then you just have a church of everybody's just individualistic. I'm just here for myself. I, I'm just going to, it's me and God. I'm going to carry my own load. Don't worry. I don't need anything from anybody. It's just individualistic, right? That doesn't, that's not the body of Christ. That's not what the image of, of, of what God, Jesus came to establish. If you only had the first verse, if you only had carry each other's burdens, then you could have a situation where, you know, you, sometimes nobody's going to help you. Right? Sometimes, you know, we try to do, be there for each other, but sometimes you are all on your own, you know, and then, and then you could get bitter. You know, who's carrying my burden? Who's supposed to, someone's supposed to be helping me. Right. And you can become uh, a situation where, where people aren't taking responsibility for themselves. So it's a it's a balance. Does that make sense? And uh, and so that that's that's what this is, that, that this this kind of relationships that we can have for with each other because of. Oh, I just said because my kids make fun of me because I say because it's Father's Day. It's good for me to be made fun of by my kids. So there you go. Uh, because of uh, of God's love for us we're able to give to each other. So I want to uh, talk for a minute about loving mercy in our conversations, having mercy in our conversations. Peyton, did you have your hand up? <laughs> Stretching back there. Um, 
You know, uh, I was, we were talking with Steve and Jackie uh, this week. We get together every week, and it's been on Zoom lately. We've been trying to meet in their backyard and stuff like that because there's nothing like seeing each other face to face. But um, Jackie was saying that you know we're we're all having all these conversations, especially with everything going on in the news and and all of the the the, the stuff on social media and all of our, our our increased awareness of what people are feeling. We're having a lot of conversations in our own house about uh, racism, you know, and about um, you know all all of that. So so you know there there are people in our church. Some are saying. We are not talking enough about social change. We're not talking enough about activism. We're not talking enough about systemic racism and calling it out. And I want to be clear, in South Bay Church, we stand against systemic racism. We stand against bigotry. We stand against any kind of injustice, right? We're, we're people of God, and, and God stands against those things. But others are saying we're talking about these things too much. We're talking too much about systemic racism. We're letting, we're letting the, the, these, these movements of the world or these, these, these political things to come into the church. We shouldn't be letting that in. We shouldn't be talking about that stuff. Uh, church, should, church should be the safe place where, where we're not affected by everything, the world, all the divisions of the world. We should just, we're all the same here. We're all one in Christ. That's true as well. We are one race in Christ. We are one people. We are uh, we're all the same before God, and we all every story is is both. So so you know, there's people saying these different things, and 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 what what Jackie mentioned is is, and I think was accurate, is that the hope is that during this time we just have a lot, this is a time of a lot of individual conversations. This is a time because because what what we don't want to do is isolate ourselves and go. I'm just going to listen to my own little echo chamber on social media or my, my own the things that affirm my th- my view you know i have this view and i'm going to find things that affirm my view and i'm just going to saturate in that right uh what we want to do is open ourselves up to go well what are, what are other people feeling and, and not just on so not on social media i mean you can try it on social media but i'm talking about in the church individual conversations uh, hearing each other's stories hearing each other's stories uh and, and so here's some practicals about having a good conversation is number one, be willing to have conversations. I mean, there's some that are saying, I, I'm not going to talk to anybody. I, I don't want to have a conversation about this. I don't, I'm not, uh, you know, and, and be willing to, to have conversation. Be willing to ask, how are you doing? You know, what's going on with your life? How are you feeling? You know, be willing to initiate conversations. Listen without judging. Uh, don't, don't try to frame everything politically. Just listen to someone's story. And give mercy. Validate each other's stories. If somebody doesn't understand your own story, you know, you don't want to be listening with the mindset of, okay, but I have my story and you're going to hear my story, right? It's, I want to, I want to hear you out. I want to validate your story. And if someone doesn't properly understand your story, well, there's an opportunity to give mercy because we're never going to fully understand each other, right? We're never going to fully get, no one is going to ever know what it's like to be me except God and Jesus, and Jesus does know everything that I've been through. And, and it, the Bible says he can empathize with me in my weakness. God knows every thought. Uh, God knows the number of hairs on my head, the decreasing number of hairs on my head. <laughs> God has to update his chart all the time. Um, so God sees and knows. He, he can fill me up with his mercy so, so someone else doesn't have to know everything. Now, the more people know my story, amen, I, I love that. I love that somebody knows me, right? Everybody wants to be known. And, and I want to know others. And uh, I love what Henry Kramer said years ago about people. He said, every person is a book. Every person is a book. Every person is a story. We love stories. We love hearing stories. So, so this is a great time just to ask people, what is your story? You know, what, what's your family of origin? You know, using that language. Where did you come from? What frames your, your thinking? And, 
And, uh, you know, we have D group this week with the, the members of the church where members of the church get together and talk. Here's a couple questions you could use uh, in your D group if you wanted. And, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll email this out to the, the, the leaders as well. But how did the way you grew up shape you as a person today? You know, we've, some of our D groups have already gone through this. What, you know, everybody kind of gets a chance to tell their story, where they grew up or where they came from. But that's a great question, you know. Um, and number two, how does God's mercy affect your identity? So framing it in God, right? Because we've all gone through experiences that shape us, and it might be for bad, but how does God's mercy help us to, to have the right identity, a God-centered identity? But those are a couple questions. And, and, and again, you know, someone might not fully get it, and they might not fully understand you, but that's a good time to, uh, to show mercy. And uh, Jesus certainly wasn't understood by, by people often. Um, in our D group, we've, we've had some good conversations, you know, a week and a half ago, I think, or something like that. We, we um, you know, we had that prayer time, we read Lamentations, and then we just got together and people shared. And it was, I mean, there was tears, uh, people shared different experiences they've had, different feelings they had, different insecurities they've had, and, and we were, just validated each other and heard, heard each other's stories and, and got, you know, more educated and got more uh, understanding from each other. I'm so grateful for times like that. I'm so grateful for the people in my small group and being able to hear, I mean, being able to hear Rachel share in tears about her, her life and her experiences and how she feels about her kids and the, the things that she, uh, you know, has to worry about. And, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it was a great time. And I appreciate Ben Barnett who came out last uh, fall and his training on having uh, conversations about, uh, especially in particular about uh, race, racial uh, um, tensions and, and being able to have, uh, uh, you know, be able to make the, a reconciliation, racial reconciliation. But the thing, main thing I took away from Ben Barnett is that every story matters. Every story matters. Your story matters. Because I think, just I'm a white person, so I can speak for, not all white people think the same, but I can speak for a lot of white people I talk to. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about we need to be willing to own our whiteness and realize that this culture is, you know, the dominant culture is white. And so, you know, we're just like fish in water. And so, you know, we don't even, we're not even aware of our whiteness. We don't think about our whiteness. We need to own our whiteness. We need to kind of recognize it. And I, and I get that. And I get where that's coming from. But I think we also live in a culture where we're sort of trained to not think about our whiteness, right? We don't want to think about our, it's wrong, you know, uh, I, I mean, you could have a, I heard a, a podcast where a guy was talking about a city, uh, it, it was a podcast on, uh, I, I try to listen to a lot of podcasts from different perspectives, and, and, and this guy was talking about Afrofuturism, if you know what Afrofuturism is, you can Google that. But, uh, but he was talking about this one particular city where it was all black people, he said it was 110% black and uh, you know affluent black people and he was at a uh, a dance club and it was all these affluent black people having a great time and 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 he just said it, it brought tears to my eyes i just it was so amazing just all these black people and how amazing it was just to be with only black people and i was like that doesn't sound right <laughs> you know and as a white person you're so afraid of i mean you would never say oh it was so great it was just white people there i mean that just it's, it's, everything recoils right and so we, we, we almost want to like run away from our whiteness. We don't want to think about it. We just want to think everybody's the same. And yet in God, my story matters. I'm a middle-aged white man. You know, it's not popular. That's not a popular group to hear from right now. But I should be proud of who I am. God made me who I am. You know, there's nothing wrong with, my, with me. Now, there, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of injustice in our country. There's been a lot of, of, uh, of things that people who maybe share my skin color have done. But I am my own person, Right. A police officer, every police officer is their own person. And yet there's people who have, 
have hatred towards people just for being police right right now uh every one of us our story matters and 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 that's what i appreciated about ben barnett uh you know now I am also fallen, you know, in my story. I am, I am, so, when I look at Jesus, as we talked about before, I know there's sin in my heart. I know there's ignorance. I know there's pride. I know there's, there's prejudice. There's selfishness. There's, there's decisions I make that are based on, on, on self. And so that's where I go, I need mercy. I need mercy from God and I need mercy from others. And, uh, I hope you feel the same way. And I, I don't mean to, uh, as, I, as I talk about this, as I share personally, I hope you, you, you know my heart, that it's just that, that you, wherever you are, I don't know, you know what your background is, but your story matters to God and it matters to me and it matters to our church. And uh, speaking of stories, I want to uh, uh, show a video. This is some Father's Day sharing about mercy from a father-daughter combo that's in our own church. We're going to hear a little bit from Dave and Shannon Weekly. Dave uh, Atkins and Shannon Weekly. And so uh, after this, I'll say a prayer for communion. We'll kind of wrap things up. But uh, uh, I hope that you uh, understand that, that having a relationship with God, having mercy from God is what allows you to give mercy. Amen. Let's, uh, let's watch Dave and Sh- Shannon. Good morning, South Bay Church. And happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. My name is Dave Atkins, and this is my daughter, Shannon Weekly. As you can probably tell from our last names, uh, Shannon's not my biological daughter. Uh, when Mary and I got married, Shannon was 10 years old. And uh, so suddenly she had a, a second dad in her life and also two new brothers. You know, today's lesson is about uh, mercy, uh, loving mercy. And, uh, you know, Shannon growing up in our new household had to show us a lot of mercy. She had to grow up with three brothers. She was the only girl in the house, except for Mary. And, you know, it wasn't always easy for her. She also had to have a lot of relationship in our relationship, learning to have a second dad. My goal was to build a relationship with her. It wasn't in any way to take the place of her biological father. She has maintained a relationship with him all her life and is still in his life today. So my goal was just to be a second dad. But I had never had a daughter before, so I had a learning curve. And uh, one of the things I remember early on was uh, one day Mary came to me and said, uh, I'm gonna go get Shannon a new pair of shoes. I'm like, okay, is her other one's worn out? And uh, she goes, no, they're, they're fine, but she just needs another pair of shoes. I'm like, why did she need another pair of shoes if she has one that's perfectly fine? And she's like, Dave, girls are different. <laughs> girls need more than one pair of shoes. So I had to learn. Shannon became a disciple when she was 17 years old and um, when we lived in Reno. Uh, and it hasn't always been easy for her in her faith. You know, many of the girls that she was close to growing up and that became disciples around the time she did, uh, many of them left the church or moved away. And so for a, lot of, for a long time, she was, you know, kind of by herself spiritually. And then when Mary and I moved to Reno, I mean, excuse me, moved to L.A., Shannon was working in Reno and decided to stay there. And, uh, but after a while, she felt like for her faith, to grow stronger, she needed to move to L.A. So she took a great step of faith, didn't know anybody in L.A. except us, but moved down to L.A., became part of South Bay, and uh, has done great. You know, I've seen her grow so much spiritually um, since she's been down here. She has a tremendous heart for people. She has tremendous love for people. She's an incredible servant. She does so many things for people. She's an incredibly thoughtful friend to uh, her friends. She's always doing things for them. 
You know, and I really uh, admire her and I've really seen her grow spiritually so much. And I really appreciate our relationship. Uh, we've grown close over the years, you know, and we, I really feel like we have a, developed a great relationship as a father and a daughter. She puts up with my dad jokes. She only rolls her eyes a little bit, not too much. Uh, she makes me bread pudding, which is one of my favorites. And uh, she still comes over on Monday nights, every Monday night, to have dinner and watch different TV shows. Lately, it's been Worst Cooks on Food Network and, with Mary and I. So I love her so much. And uh, now she's going to share a little bit uh, as well. Hi, everyone. My name is Shannon Weekly, And we're talking about mercy today. So I'm going to share a little bit. And to me, mercy means showing grace and compassion and love towards others, even when they may not um, be deserving of it, basically in your eyes. And to me, this means a lot to our family. Uh, I feel like, as my dad shared, our new family began to form when I was 10. And we kind of all had to come together even though we didn't know each other and accept people who may be strangers into our lives and get to know each other and work together to develop a new family. Um, there were a lot of definitely bumpy times that we had, especially with new kids and new parents all together. Um, most of you know my family already, and for that I'll say you're welcome. And for those who don't know us, we do come with a disclaimer. Our family is crazy awesome and amazing, but we can also be a little loud, a little out there, a little random, but a lot of fun. Uh, but most of all, I feel like our family is loving and compassionate. We all have very serving attitudes and a very strong bond, but it took a lot of work and effort over the years um, to get to where we are today. Uh, but a lot of that I feel like is through my dad's leadership and my parents' hard love and examples to us as kids. Um, like I mentioned and my dad mentioned, our relationship as father and daughter started when I was 10. And up until then, it was me, my mom, and my brother. Um, when they first got married, I wasn't really sure how this was all going to work with a new father figure entering our life and two new crazy children boys that he brought mm -hmm. with him. Um, I feel like I had to learn that he was never, oh, that he never really had a daughter already, excuse me. And because of that, I had to give him a lot of grace and mercy because he didn't really know exactly what he was doing. And um, I had to have mercy on him a lot in different situations. My mom would travel a lot. And when my dad was in charge, the house was kind of chaotic with all of us kids going around and he needed me to step up and help out and wrangle my brothers. And I had to have a lot of mercy on him when I started growing in high school and would have like hormonal breakdowns for no reason and he didn't know what to do. And I also had to have mercy on him when he was teaching me, unfortunately, how to drive. Uh, but most of all, I feel like me and my brothers owe him mercy and grace and thanks because he saved our family and made it a stronger and better one that we have today. Um, my favorite thing about my family besides my parents being 
disciples for such a long time is that they always put our family and our siblings relationship first. Um, and family time was always a very important core to us. And through that time together, we had a lot of fun experiences growing up, like family nights and vacations. And on vacations, we'd have to make teams and sit with seat buddies, um, or we would have special dates where uh, we would hang out with our siblings or like me and my dad would go to movies or go grab lunch on like father-daughter dates. And we got to connect through those experiences and build a strong family. And we made sure we were always there for each other and never missed an event. We went to everyone's sporting events, all their games, even band practice for multiple years, no matter how cold it was outside. And it was through like all the structure and family time that we spent together and through my parents, but mostly my dad's example um, that he built for us that made our family what it is today. And I feel like without grace and mercy, we wouldn't have the strong bond that we do today. Mm, amen. I want to close with a passage uh, that's really encouraging. And I really feel like God has blessed our family in a great way. Uh, it says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 24, and I feel this as a father. It says, the father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son or daughter uh, rejoices in him or her. And uh, thank you so much for the chance to, to share about our family. Uh, again, thank you and say happy Father's Day to everybody. And thank you so much to God for how he's worked in a great way. We love you guys. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Dave and Shannon, for sharing uh, and uh, just being an example of, of showing mercy, of giving mercy to one another. I know we all love getting mercy, but I hope we can be a people that also loves giving mercy. And it's God's mercy that lets us give mercy. And if you, if you don't feel like you've experienced God's mercy, if you don't know God, I want to encourage you to reach out on, the, on our uh, right, right here, right now today. There's, there's a link that you can connect uh, with us. And we would love to study the Bible with you or connect you with a small group or help you to know God's mercy, help you to read the Bible, uh, kind of have a guided tour through the Bible and be able to understand how do I get God's mercy? How do I receive that mercy that Brian is talking about? And if, if you feel like you, are, you, you yourself are, you know, you've gotten out of touch with God's mercy, that's what will allow you to give away, um, the, let go of the bitterness that you might be experiencing or let go of uh, uh, of relational conflicts or different aspects that you might be facing. It's really God's mercy that is, is going to provide what we need. God's mercy never runs out. God's mercy never fails us. There's no end to God's mercy. And uh, we're going to close with, uh, before we pray for communion, with singing a song that is, uh, is based on, uh, on a, a passage from Lamentations. It's actually a direct quote from Lamentations about how God's mercy is new every morning. I love this picture. I love, I love this picture for two reasons. Number one, I love coffee and I love the mountains. And uh, this is a picture of a cup of coffee in the morning and uh, in the mountains. And so if you are a person that loves coffee, I want you to think about this verse. Uh, it says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. So tomorrow morning when you get your cup of coffee, just think about God's mercy is new every morning. It's like it starts over. It's not like there's an end. Oh, he gave me so much mercy. Now I don't get any more. No, it's new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. That means my soul says God is all I need. My portion is God. I don't need other people to 
appreciate me. I don't need, uh, you know, accolades from men and women. You know, I have God. God is my portion. Therefore, I will hope in him. And if you know the book of Lamentations, it was a dark time in Israel's history. There's a lot that Jeremiah is feeling and experiencing in the book of Lamentations. But ultimately, he goes, God is, is what I need. God fills me up. God's grace is sufficient for me. It never ends God's mercy. He never fails us. And uh, so let's think about that. I'm going to sing this song. Paul, it's going to help me uh, sing the women's part. This is an old song I remember from when I was a kid. I, I don't remember the last time we sang it, so you might not know it. But if you do know it, please sing it out uh, from your living room. Okay, it goes like this. The steadfast love of the, the Lord never ceases. His, His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in Him. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in Him. Therefore I will hope in Him. Amen. Great verse. I hope you remember it. That helps you remember this verse. And uh, I picked it because that word where it says steadfast love, that's that same word, chassid. Uh, for God's mercy and how it never ceases. Let's pray for communion. God, thank you for your mercy, for your unending love, your steadfast love, your loving kindness, all the different English words we try to use to to, uh, to translate uh, who you are and the way that you love us and how your love never runs out and never fails us and there's no end. It's new every morning. Uh, thank you, God, for that relationship we can have with you only because of Jesus Christ and only because of his blood and his sacrifice. Uh, bless our time of remembrance of his body and blood. Uh, God, help us to fully embrace um, that grace that's possible through, through him. And uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.